Hello and welcome to the Test Tube Podcast. I'm your host for today, Ollie. Hey yo, I'm Prina. We're representing the University of Exeter in iGEM, the biggest synthetic biology competition in the world. We are here to interview fantastic researchers and demystify the world of synthetic biology. Let's get right into it. Woo! Welcome to Test 2 Podcast. Okay, so we're here for a slightly different episode today. Normally we interview other iGEM teams and talk about their projects, but today we've got a slightly different guest on. Dan, would you like to introduce yourself and your relevance to iGEM? So I'm, I'm Dan. I work for Professor John Love's research group at the University of Exeter, but I'm a previous iGEM contestant in 2016, and then since then, working for John, I've been lucky enough to be an instructor for iGEM teams and just generally being allowed helping out, that kind of thing. Would you just like to talk about what year and course you were in when you did iGEM and why you initially decided to apply for the Exit iGEM team in the first place? Yeah, so I was just studying biosciences at Exeter University. John, who helps run the team at, in Exeter, was my academic tutor in the first year of my degree. Oh, okay. And so I found out I hadn't heard of synthetic biology before then, so I found out about it through him. Yeah, so then I did iGEM in between the first and second year of my degree. Why did I decide to apply for it? So I came to university much later than most people. So I was 24, I think, when I started my degree. So I just tried to do everything. So I did as much extracurricular stuff as possible. I wanted lab experience because at that point I was toying with the idea of a research career. So I thought, what can I do to get research experience as a first year biosciences student? And they looked like a perfect route into that yeah that seems kind of similar to what it was with a lot of us like I don't think many of us really knew what synthetic biology was Mm. before we started so you said it was 2016 when you started so can you remember much about what your project entails and how you decided on going with that project yeah so how did we decide on it not really many of us knew anything about synthetic biology when we first started and we hadn't really come across iGEM but the instructing team here at the uni, brought in different people to speak to us. So we had uh, someone called Marcus Cachata. You've ever come across him? He is part of a company called Synthase. He came to speak to us about what they do. And a lot of those sorts of things were to do with sort of the fundamentals of molecular biology and synthetic biology and measurement. And that really captured our imagination in terms of trying to do a project that had really mass appeal. So rather than for us finding a really specific case, maybe in our local area, what we wanted to do was something that we knew we'd get just good numbers from, so it didn't have to work necessarily. It's just whether it did or it didn't, the numbers were what they were. So nice, it's just something that was easy, safe something that was easily quantifiable, something that had broad appeal. And based on our discussions, we wanted something that was as modular as possible. So something that a lot of our discussions were around. Some of, we had, we did have some of those sort of big iGEM ideas, and a lot of them sort of hinged on can you get eco to express that protein? And if not, the whole thing falls apart. So we wanted something yeah. that we could have easier wins. Mm-hmm. So one thing we came across was a lot of teams, previous teams, had environmental applications for their projects. And obviously, at least to my knowledge in the UK, any sort of releasing of GM organisms into the environment is completely illegal. You can't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of those sorts of questions were coming up about how they were ever going to implement their iGen projects in the future. And a lot of them said, oh, well, we've got this genetic safety device called a kill switch. So under certain circumstances, 
we'll get the bugs to just kill themselves essentially and that will be our way of protecting the environment so we have some issues with this the first one is that there's obviously quite a high selection pressure against a bacteria just maintaining a plasmid that will kill it in a certain circumstance and doesn't have any utility utility to it any other time and we also thought well just because the bug dies and maybe the cells lies and things like that that doesn't mean that the DNA, the heterologous DNA that makes it GM isn't then in the environment and maybe can that get horizontally transferred into other bugs. So we thought a simple-ish experiment, nothing's ever that simple, is it? Um, <laughs> would just be to try and design some simple kill switches, transform them into Ecolite, and then just see how long it takes for them to stop working just by mutation or anything like that. So okay. we designed a few kill switches and then okay. just tested them over time. Cool. So it was like a project that was looking at obviously massively benefiting future iGEM teams, but more so instead of just going for something new like most teams do, you were looking at, okay, how can you encourage some of these teams to actually be able to implement their ideas? Because obviously a lot of projects can sometimes have issues around implementation, especially between different countries. So that sounds like quite a cool project. Mm -hmm. I haven't come across many projects that are looking at something with that sort of goal. Yeah, we were worried about ruffling a few feathers uh, because we essentially our, yeah. our whole project was basically saying your kill switch doesn't work. <laughs> uh, there were quite a lot of teams that still had them and um, so yeah, we were a little bit worried about that because it's not that nice to just go to have a project based on telling other people that their project's not good but that wasn't our intention it was more okay it's iGEM's brilliant as a way of just sort of as a sandbox for just these big ideas but for synthetic biology ever to actually deliver on those big promises you've got to sort of think about these types of questions so we wanted to do something like that so how did you get involved with later iGEM teams again as like a supervisor? And I guess following from that, how did you eventually end up in doing research in Sinbar yeah. as like a career? Yeah, you stuck around with iGEM for a while. Yeah. 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 Just not... your team. You've, yeah. We've seen you in all the photos of other iGEM teams as supervisors. You've hung around. Mm. You obviously enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a particularly adventurous person. So I've, just sort of been, I've been around forever. I actually only graduated my degree... Uh, three and a bit years ago I've only worked in research so my job title is research technician I did iGEM between the first and second year of my degree that then led to a summer studentship between my third and fourth year which was supposed to be a professional placement which mm -hmm. I then did in John's lab right okay, yeah. carrying on with the kill switch stuff mm -hmm. then I did my final year project with Chloe who's one of your supervisors <laughs> And then as soon as my degree finished, I came back to work for John after that. So <laughs> the question is, how did I get into it? Because they do it every year and I've been around it. So it's quite oh, nice yeah. to have been on both sides. So I think the guys here at Exeter, obviously it's useful to have someone who has been on the other side of iGEM yeah. mm -hmm. to be an instructor. Because one thing that I found with the students is that they're much less embarrassed to ask me what they think are stupid <laughs> questions than they are the, the proper instructing team. And so I think the time I was officially an instructor, I think that was on my placement between third and fourth year of my degree. So yeah, I was just, I was just part, of the, part of the instructing team that year. And that was really good. That was the year, I think the first year the team actually won an award. Yeah. Or something like that. And it was mm -hmm. honestly... I get on with those guys quite well and it's been a while so I'm, I don't mind saying this now but <laughs> at the time the science hadn't been going amazingly well in the lab yeah they were really good they worked super hard there was like at times all 10 of them in the lab 
all the time doing loads of stuff it just wasn't really working which just just you know was just yeah. eye and yeah sometimes it doesn't work and, and uh, i remember a couple of conversations where me and some other people on the instruction team were like do you know what this is going to be touch and go whether we get actually get a gold this year mm-hmm. like, oh maybe that mm-hmm. doesn't tick the criteria maybe it does anyway and then we got there and i was sat with the team uh, in the big jamboree hall okay mm-hmm. it was in boston at the time and i was in paris this year right? yeah. yeah and some of the awards came up and exeter's name was there <laughs> what what and they won one and we all went absolutely insane wow and then the name come up for another one and i think they won another award oh like two awards oh and i was God. like honestly you never know it's crazy you yeah. never know sometimes when you're really close to it it's difficult to see the significance of actually you've done really especially for Tim yeah. or whatever it is you've done mm. really really well so that was great so that's how i got involved with that just being around it and the guys asking me to be part of the instructing team and then since then I've sort of been around to help out, but never really sort of officially involved since mm-hmm. then. So you went almost the ideal iGEM <laughs> cycle, if you went from <laughs> student to iGEM. I don't know, ideal. To supervisor, and now you're I working. I said yes to everything, if that's what you mean. <laughs> but now if you're you working. Want, if you want advice, a... yeah, then I just <laughs> said yes to as much as possible. Yeah. yeah. Like, like I said at the start, Symbio wasn't on my radar at all. Mm. Yeah. I thought, this will be great. This will be lab experience. That then led to one of the instructors saying, do you want to come back and do a placement? I'm mm. like, yes, mm. please. That'd be great. That led to a professional placement. And then got a job working in science. Nice. So, so yeah, just be... say yes to stuff. Just out of curiosity, did you consider any other career paths before you did? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely do. I think I was so old when I came to university. Yeah, so in another life, I did an illustration foundation degree because I wanted to be a tattooist and that seemed like the closest possible thing. <laughs> so I did that. Um, that was like two years of a degree. And then I wanted to do fine art after that because I like painting. But liking painting is different from being good at painting. <laughs> so I didn't get onto anything like yeah. that. So, And then I realised that I just liked getting tattooed rather than being a tattooist. And I always liked biology and I was always okay at school. So I thought, oh, come back to university. But I, my A-levels were so long ago, they didn't count anymore. Oh, so wow. I had to do a, um, like a top-up course. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just like doing biology and chemistry A-level, but condensed into a year or something like that. I can't remember. Mm. But yeah, no, I wanted to do, I wanted to do creative stuff, which was part of actually when I got interviewed for iGEM. I said that as part of why I thought, I could bring something slightly different to the team because mm-hmm. that sort of creative way of thinking is quite important for yeah. yeah, I think. Definitely. I mean, I wouldn't, they're often separated. Like you mentioned before you did, um, or you were interested in doing maybe something more creative, like tattoo artist painting or something more artsy. And I find they're often separated. You kind of have people consider, oh, you put these creative things and then you've mm. got academia. Mm. But I feel like, especially with, with lab work and stuff, I feel like there's such an, an overlap, especially with something like research, you have to be quite, creative to do that you mentioned earlier about how um important problem solving is Mm -hmm. in the work that you do now so i feel like the creative side of that probably hasn't changed it's probably just massively benefited you where you are now people kind of seem to separate them as two separate things you're either someone who does things creative Mm -hmm. or you're someone who does things academically but i feel like there's quite a big overlap between those like you need to have quite a creative mindset to do at least research work in in the lab i absolutely agree with that i Mm -hmm. think so to go back to sort of illustration of fine art, I actually found it much easier to be creative doing the illustration mm-hmm. because the constraints were much tighter. So you'd be given mm-hmm. a brief, it would be like, this company wants an image 
for, I don't know, book cover or this thing. And they go, it has to be X centimetres by Y centimetres and they want at least these three different things represented. When you've got parameters, being creative in that space, I always mm. find much easier than when it was just like fine art, do what you want. And yeah. just because I think that that distinction you were talking about there, that people separate academia and sort of creativity as these two things, I think they're just misunderstanding that just because you put boundaries, just because within like in synthetic biology, just because the framework is molecular biology toolkit, just because there's boundaries there doesn't mean you don't use all of those tools creatively. Like maths is a math, like you have to be super creative to do like abstract, pure maths. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's basically art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Not yeah. much of a difference, just art in a different With really form. clearly yeah. defined rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we mentioned earlier a little bit about how there's a bit of a negative stigma mm. around the word GMO or like mm. foods often being labelled with like non-GMO mm. and stuff like that. Like organic's a really good thing. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 and people are almost like people are That's scared of the word chemical, and there's there's definitely um, I feel like the general public view is negative around mm. genetically modified organisms. Maybe the the benefits of them haven't been communicated well enough, or maybe things in the past with misinformation. It seems maybe that that could be starting to change. Mm. Do you think that it will change, and do you think that um, synthetic biology has an important place in the future? That's a very good question. It's difficult, isn't it? Because most of the people that I associate with, like colleagues and, and friends with people from work, so they're, all, they're all science people. So yeah. I don't really know many people who are really anti-GMO or anything like that. Um, I, think, I think you're right. I think information is the most important part of that. Yeah. And just showing people what the clear benefits are. I think the whole like RNA uh, vaccine development thing is kind of a testament to that. I know yeah. it's not necessarily yeah, synthetic biology, but the fact that you could get a vaccine that is measurably that effective done in that smaller period of time and for that many hundreds of millions of doses to be given out to the public, I feel like those kinds of... And obviously you're going to get people who are resistant to that kind of thing, but I feel like with that, it wasn't, it wasn't a big majority of people. No. Um, mm. Symbio, is that going to be important? I think it's made some big promises. Yeah. Mm. I think it, as a framework for doing molecular biology, it has the potential to be really powerful. I think that maybe we need to think a little bit more about what we're defining. So like as a part that we were talking about uh, before we start recording about how we define a genetic part. When yeah. you go through the registry, like promoter, ribosome binding site, those sorts of things. And the idea that you'd be able to just take that genetic part, stick it in front of anything else and it'll work the same way. I don't think, I think that that's fairly obviously not true. Yeah. Mm. And if you're gonna, for Symbio to play a big part in that whole future, you were just talking about predictability is obviously really important. And I think that for my knowledge, which obviously I'm just, I'm just a research technician uh, <laughs> in a small research group. Disclaimer. So, but to me, a lot of the predictability of those systems has quite a narrow scope. And I don't think that's necessarily something that can be easily solved. And maybe what we need to do is sort of reevaluate how broad we are willing to accept those parameters to be. So we were talking about how if you take a promoter set and you 
express whatever express gfp with those promoters in e coli yep and um you rank them strongest to weakest mm-hmm. if you put the same promoter set with a different even just fluorescent reporter chances are that ranking is going to be different yeah if you could unpredict unpick all of the predictability of that like maybe there's local um effects of different parts being put together that you could unpick someone like i mean they've they've used ai to basically solve all protein structures recently right so yeah, it's yeah. Like, what do i know but i think symbio if you can un- if you can unpick all of that stuff and gen- like make it genuinely predictable then absolutely it's gonna be huge yeah yeah there's obviously yeah there's still uh, um quite a way to go mm. in having the implementations that it promises but i think we are getting there i don't know if you've seen recently but it has started to make its way into the into the news more there was mm. quite a big headline recently regarding soybeans there was some research that has just been finished um, and these researchers managed to use um, synthetic biology to increase the efficiency of photosynthesis in soybean. I think it was something around 40% mm-hmm. increase or something. I wouldn't, I wouldn't quote me on that, but it was a significant increase. Yeah, yeah. And they were able to show that this increased the yield of, of soybeans quite massively. Mm. Um, and this seemed to catch on quite well in news headlines. So it seems mm. like it is starting to gain a bit more momentum in terms of the public eye and, and yeah. the benefits it can have. It's just Maybe it's just a terminology thing. Yeah, because if people don't like the idea that something's genetically modified, I mean, those people have dogs, don't they? <laughs> like that's, yeah. just, that's just symbio with a sledgehammer rather than a scalpel. Yeah. Like it's selective reading is not, you know, natural in that way, is it at all? Uh, so yeah. so, so maybe it's just like a terminology thing. Grapes. Yeah, maybe. Just to wrap up the session, really, mm. um, do you have any interesting or funny stories to tell from the lab? Funny stories. <laughs> Yeah, you've got quite a lot yeah. of experience now. In Funny the lab. stories. Any sure. that I am willing to divulge on a podcast <laughs> that people are going to listen to, possibly my boss listen to. Funny stories. I mean, I mean, instruments playing up is always quite funny. We go, we work with um, faculty of anaerobes in our lab. Okay. And um, a colleague of mine has since left. I mean, it's not. This sounds not like I'm really cruel now because he was quite claustrophobic, and that's why it was funny. Because uh, to vacuum the cuffs oh, uh, from yeah. the outside oh, yeah. so he could go into the cabinet. Mm-hmm. Vacuum thing broke for some reason or other whilst he was trying to vacuum the ambient air out of them and he got stuck and then couldn't get out. Ooh. Oh, no. Um, and the foot pedal is remote, so we just took it away and then just carried on pressing the vacuum <laughs> to get him more and more stuck, which is quite fun. He was fine, by the way. No one was in danger. <laughs> All health and safety protocols were very carefully followed. Yeah. Um, other stuff like, I mean, I'm, this is the other thing. I think I said this to you the other day, uh, Ollie, that we all make really stupid mistakes. Like, yeah. Not all, <laughs> not as much as I used to, obviously. Yeah. But um, the key is just not to tell people that you've done that. Yeah. So I've done lots of really stupid stuff. Like I accidentally <laughs> added antibiotic to my flask culture instead of IPTG to increase expression <laughs> just hence killing all the stuff that I spent a couple of days transforming right. and growing up oh, no. yeah okay so I think that's all we have time for today yeah. thank you for listening thank, thank you. you for joining thank no you problem. very much yeah, yeah. Um, do you have any closing remarks how would you define synthetic biology to yeah, someone who hasn't heard it before right. oh god that's putting me on the spot isn't it oh, what's the what's the definition that I really like what was the thing that you said earlier? yeah so sort of a genetic engineering solution that is inspired by but not bound in nature 
I like that. I like that. That's, that's yeah. pretty good. That's very nice. I, I like it. I like definitely didn't come up with that. So look over. Okay. Well, uh, we'll quote you for that. Someone else yeah. definitely, <laughs> like a real scientist, said that. Okay. Not a lackey like me. That's all we have time for today. As always, thanks to our wonderful guests, and please feel free to follow us on Instagram at exeter.igem2022, on YouTube at exeter.igem2022, or pop us an email on exeter.igem2022 at gmail.com. Please ask any questions via the social media or in the comments, and any other feedback is greatly appreciated. Bye for now!